Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 31 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. In 2006, Southern Californian interactive media students Genova Chen and Kelly Santiago formed That Game Company, a development studio focused entirely on making games which elicit an emotional response from the player. Sony Computer Entertainment snapped them up for a three-title deal which produced Flow, Flower and Journey, the three games which we'll be discussing here. Joining me, Leon Cox, on this issue, we have, of course, Tony Atkins. Hello. And Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And Sean O'Brien. Hello. Welcome, everyone. That game company then, right, uh, it was discussed whether we would cover their first uh, well, it was their first student project game, Cloud. Um, we're not, and I've never played it. Um, now, we're, we're covering three games, and we know how long this show is likely to run anyway, but has anyone, any one of you sampled Cloud? No. Um, no. No, I haven't either. Okay. Uh, that makes that a short thing then uh, well that was their, their first actual produced title but it was while they were still students uh, then they produced Flow as a Flash game I believe uh, I don't know it's presumably still available somewhere on the internet is it? yeah you can still play it on their site ok uh, and that was fleshed out into their first full release digital download release for the then quite new and shiny Sony Playstation 3 I was going to say it's, um, it's important to know because I was looking at some figures and facts and figures about um, what Flow was before it hit the, the PlayStation Network, and apparently it it done 100,000 downloads in its first two weeks, and time it had basically been finished to be on the PlayStation Network, it had done over 2 million downloads pretty much within a year. So that's why Sony was pretty uh, eager to snap them up as a, a new developer, seeing you know, how well that had done on a kind of a Flash platform, which... Uh, wow. you know, Many games, you know, will come and go on that without really being noticed, but this one stood out. So. It was probably better received as a flash browser-based toy thing than it was as a game in terms of reviews, simply because people weren't expecting anything from it in that other than something pretty to muck about with, I suppose. Whereas some people do often talk about the game flow quite negatively because it doesn't have any real challenge, it doesn't have any real goal. Um, it is more of a sort of interactive plankton aquarium or something like that. So, who uh, who bought it at the time? I mean, PlayStation was it was it out for PSN launch or near near thereabouts? I can't remember. But I think um, it came out two thousand seven, I think. It did. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've 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 actually never brought it. it, it I I done one of those wonderful things of game sharing with uh, people at home. Never. Um, 
PS3. So right, my yeah. my friend Paul actually owns this copy of uh, of Flow, mm. and I'm kind of glad in a way because I have much very huge respect for that game company. But I, I Flow is a really unusual game, um, and one I think it, you know I can understand why it done so well on the Flash platform when people weren't paying any money towards it. But I think when you start having to to ultimately pay some money towards you could describe as an elaborate screensaver. Um, I think you know that's probably where some of the, the bigger issues come with the re- you know either the reviews or, or more critical reception. Yeah, I mean it didn't do terribly reviews wise, um, and I think obviously it came out when there wasn't much to choose from on PSN as well. Uh, but I played it for the first time very recently, and I I, I played it before Journey, but after Fla- years after Flower, in fact, um, oh, wow. it was on sale recently for our, for two pounds or something under two pounds. Um, so I, I knew we were doing this podcast, so I picked it up, and uh, I found it perfectly pleasant. I, I think as long as you know what you're going in for, it's kind of like a head massage of a video game. It's more about it, it's. I mean, it is definitely a game because there are there's there's things to collect, and it hits things. You hit things, and you get hurt, and you have a shield, and uh, there, there is a goal. There is, there is a sense of progress, but you can pretty much avoid all that if you want. Um, well, the thing I enjoyed about it most, apart from the sound, which, as usual with that game company, was uh, really, really nice. Obviously, it's a sort of more ambient mood thing. Um, was the the fact that some of the creatures, if you did take the time to eat as much as possible on the the different layers, um, would end up as these most magnificent screen filling beasts. Uh, which I found extremely satisfying, and it wasn't so different to the enormous trail of petals you you end up as in in flower. It's weird because um, flower and um, flow are kind of actually very similar. If you strip away mm-hmm. the presentation, it's kind of um, you know in flow you go around eating like the little orbs that are attached to all these mm. microscopic creatures. Six axis control. Yeah, yeah, and in flower you're basically doing a similar thing, except with flower petals, collecting them all and building this big trail. But I think the thing with um, flow for me is that there wasn't there wasn't the the sense apart from the way you affected your character, there wasn't the sense that you're in fe- uh, affecting the environment the same way there was in flower. And also, flower had this huge. Um, like underlying narrative aspect yeah. to it there was a story behind flower whereas in flow i kind of just felt like i'm going into it it's kind of it's weird because i i almost com- i'm tempted to compare flow to most modern first person shooters because you go into a room you kill everything in it then you go into the <laughs> next room and then you kill everything in it and that's how the game progresses I, I mean each um, microorganism has their own special ability and actually uh, towards the beginning of the game I was kind of finding it dull but some of the powers you get later on uh, like there's the one where you can paralyze your victim and then they're immobilized and you can just eat all their orbs and they're completely helpless which is kind of fun in a cruel kind of way um, and there's also that one that um to, like flashes red when you're near a um, a uh, enemy, and if you press X, then they'll auto target one of the orbs on their body and just f- you know run straight towards it, which is really yeah. nice ability. Um, 
but ultimately it, it kind of it dragged for me to and mm. I didn't find the actual gameplay that interesting yeah I was going to say the game actually feels nice to play in certain points some of the creatures are really enjoyable to actually swish about the screen but whether that supports a game in itself and there are some in terms of it being a video game there are a number of sort of rookie mistakes I suppose you could call them if you were talking about this in terms of pure video game design which is that it's not obvious what the goal is or when it when it is there's no real sense of progression other than your creature getting bigger but then that's taken away from you after every 10 levels anyway when you start with another creature but then I suppose that there is a sense of progress to that like we all we had to discuss before doing this podcast is there an end to flow is it doesn't actually really tell you uh whether whether you're ever going to get to the end and I, I would suggest that the vast majority of people stopped playing it before they got to the credits which which there are yeah. there is a credits uh, interactive credits level at the end Sean yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even know that there was an ending until I asked Tony the other day <laughs> I got about yeah. five I, I only found out because Leon told me yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just I just stuck with it and I, I I think maybe I looked at the trophies to see if there was something in there mm-hmm. which which gave a clue but it is basically there there are six creatures I think and um, each has ten layers another sort of interesting thing about it that makes it feel like more of a toy than a game is that you can move at, at will through the levels and the layers to the point that there's no sort of end boss or anything if you get to layer 10 which you can do you can go straight there you can just come straight out the other side and, and turn into the next creature if you want So, yeah I know obviously I was quite harsh by calling it an interactive screensaver and I kind of want to Explain where I get that from. Um, I think Josh hits nail the head. There is no narrative really in this. Um, I mean, that game company has become famous for producing narrative without any words. You know, anything that happens actually, you know, within the scenery describes what's going on. Now, flow. You can. I think it's interesting you playing it after you played those other games. Um, certainly back on the time, I think that everybody was in awe of the the cut down simplicity of it all so you know the the control movement was the six axes and that was fresh and new to us back then um hmm. there is really no menu to speak of you can i think pause the game just about um but even then if that then it actually does i think if you pause it it turns into just literally a screensaver um nothing can ha- harm you you just kind of wander around on the surface um yeah but that that comment comes more about that you can charge and you can eat the stuff and you can make a game out of it if you wish by t- trying to destroy everything on the yeah. screen or and there are trophies for doing other things doing it other ways as well so if you if you are looking into the trophies there's probably more of a game to be had but at the same at the same time it it can almost be described as playing a bit like tetris you are just trying to basically put these blocks or in this case eat these things in a riddle and get to the end and kind of like power through and there's your game over screen Tetris um, is one of the greatest game designs ever and it, and it is but um, Tetris isn't I, I would say Tetris is well, always well I think fun. you're giving it too much credit comparing it to Tetris because yeah, Tetris so do I, does have a um, tact- <laughs> really tactical element to it and you can get better at that game And true it, but I'm talking but it's a bit like you in a first person shooter analogy I think you know if yeah. you, it's, it's just all mechanics it's very stripped down mechanics and to play it back then I think it was it was interesting uh, to play it now it's it's probably slightly more interesting because you see the roots of the other, where the other games come from and it, and it's to see how they develop from that but what I will say is, I mean, I, I, I've attempted to play this game for five times, I would say now. Mm. Um, 
which is quite a lot. And I, I'm, I, you know, I've always gone out to complete games. I never really thought there was an end into this, but you know, you told me there was, so I, I went through and, and played through all the, the different creatures, and they do have different abilities. And that it is a game underneath all this, or underneath what kind of all the looks. Um, and I, I think that there was a moment with me actually where, where it clicked, where I think there's the fish version where you can dart across the screen and with that you can kind of dart and attack one of the enemies from behind and, and nick their orbs and then quickly swim away uh, and they glow red and they try to chase you and uh, mm. I think that's the one that clicked with me the most because I felt yeah. like um, when you're early on in that stage you know, and, and this is the same for all of them but when you're early on you feel like everything can harm you and you're just trying to you know, pick the the smallest, minutest of um, owie kind of, and, and and grow into this bigger fish. But once you do grow into something bigger, you do feel entirely powerful. And when you're a medium size, in this case the fish, um, and you're taking down the bigger beasts around you just by swimming really fast, because you've got the power of movement, and they've just got the power of kind of being a big thing. And you finally <laughs> do take their last orb, and they break down into the smaller particles, and you eat them, and and become bigger. You know. Um, I think there there is some there was a sense of satisfaction uh, for completing those sections but it never lasted through the entirety of the game I kind of had that one link with that one individual section but the kind of the other four or five I I always set out to get everything on the screen and, and quickly kind of went ah let's just kind of get down to the bottom here <laughs> yeah I think the controls hurt that part the six axis controls kind of like make you not really want to do all that collecting, you know, it gets a little tedious, I feel. Yeah, yeah, uh, I felt that as well. The The controls were a little awkward, um, especially with the longer snake-like um, characters that you got to control. Characters? What am I talking about? Well. Uh, <laughs> creatures that you got to control. Um, it wasn't so much of a problem with the fish one, uh, like Tony was mentioning. In fact, I thought that were, one was the best to control, it just felt like you had a lot of control mm. over that creature. The worst one was that circular one. Oh, which, spinning. Yeah. <laughs> what? Terrible. No, thank you. Um, it didn't have, I think, uh, something that Flower has overflow as well, and we'll get onto that later, is a level of control feels so much better mm. with the six axis in Flower than it does in Flow. Mm. Um. I haven't got much more to say about flow that can't be contained in the sum up. If if any of the rest of you have, I mean, I, my, my final thing is I think it came from a flash game and it feels like it came from a flash game. They they certainly made it prettier and I think they, the six axes added a an element of something that was probably missing from the flash game. But ultimately, it, it feels like it was more you know the starting steps of something great rather than um, a great piece of entertainment itself. I mean, to give Flow credit where credit's due, like all of that game's company, uh, company's games, uh, it looks and sounds really nice. Um, but my problem with it ultimately is that it, the actual gameplay part of it is just not that interesting. All right, then. Uh, let's move on. I'm sure we've got a lot more to say about their other two games. So uh, let's fast forward or rewind to February... 2009 and Flower
was made aware of this, I think, as I recall, by uh, American podcasts of the time, probably still... There was probably around the was that still one up sort of time, yeah. Probably, probably yeah. Um, US podcasts who'd seen this game at shows and said how pleasant it was, how pretty it was, and how it was going to be really interesting. So, um, obviously, as I say, I hadn't played Flow. Um, I think I'd probably read a lot of reviews which said, well, it's really just more of a, an interactive screensaver. So, <laughs> um, I thought I'll wait until that gets sub two pounds in the year 2012 and then I'll play that <laughs> I'm blessed with amazing foresight uh, but uh, Flower um, I think maybe one or two reviews came out before the game was released in, in the traditional way and uh, so I can't remember what day I think it was Thursdays PSN used to update so I think it was Thursday mornings in fact whereas now it's Wednesday afternoons in Europe uh, and I, I jumped on it. I was absolutely uh, desperate to play this um, interesting-looking thing, which uh, promised to use my six-axis controller in a way which wasn't completely gratuitous and annoying, <laughs> yeah. uh, and perhaps would be something a little different. But yeah, I just, I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I hate wind chimes. Um, I'm not even that into flowers. Uh, I'm, you know, I. I'm not somebody who'll be put off by... I know some people will look at this game and will have looked at this game and think it's a load of, you know, hippy-dippy bullshit. Um, but for me, I, I thought, well, this... You know, it's 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 nice to play with something that looks a bit more like nature and a bit less like armour-clad uh, gore-spilling space marines. So, yeah, I gave it a go. And um, I absolutely adored it. It absolutely blew me away. Um I played it all the way through in one go that morning uh, and uh, it I found it quite a profound experience um, it mo genuinely moved me um, and I think there's a while there is a, a fairly literal probably the correct interpretation which is to do with the healing power of nature and the symbiosis between man and nature and the earth and, and all that sort of thing I actually because of where I was at the time was quite ill with depression and things like that I personally interpreted it albeit possibly incorrectly as more of a, a metaphorical thing about the state of the mind and how the world treats you and, and all this stuff so it resonated with me for whatever reason but none of that would matter if it wasn't for the fact that it, it felt so beautiful to control the fact that it was you felt like you really were this buoyant powerful breeze <laughs> um, and I played it through again today and uh, and I still found it, I, I was kind of worried going back to it because I think I'd played it, <clears throat> I played it this one time at the time um, and then I dived back into a few of the levels just to see what I'd missed kind of thing, but then I pretty much left it alone for the last most, yeah, probably three years um, because I was worried that it's kind of like it's not like a song where you can keep listening to it over and over again and get exactly the same things until eventually it wears out I was worried that because it, it is a couple of hours long that it wouldn't necessarily have the same effect um, and you know I wasn't I'm not I'm not in the same state as I was back in 2009 and so you know it didn't make me cry or anything this time but um, but I still thought it was absolutely sublime just incredibly atmospheric and beautiful and joyous and uh, and all that good stuff. 
I think it. I think um, visually, it's possibly one of the best looking games. Full stop. Um, I'm not even going to qualify it as you know this generation or anything like that. I just think it's utterly fantastic visuals throughout that entire game. The first thing that really got to me is when you swoop down and the way the leaves part in the earlier parts of the levels, Mm. uh, the early levels, I mean, um, just the way the wind interacts with the vegetation in the environment. um, I, I, I can't think of anything since then that's impressed me. It just in terms of nature and, and, and environments, um, I just I love I love the use of color. Um, uh, there's one level set at night uh, where, mm. um, as you're collecting flowers, parts of the uh, area will start glowing pinks and yellows and stuff like that, um, which was really just really attractive. Um, and also the use of sound. Every time you hit a flower, you get that nice little chime. Yeah. Um, and um, the way the music builds up as you get more and more petals, um, it's. I know this word gets used all the time, but it is it is it is an experience. You know, it's not a challenging game. It's it's well, there's no challenge whatsoever. I, you can't die, I don't think. Um, but it's just such a pleasant experience. You just it feels like meditation, as pretentious as that sounds. You just feel completely relaxed during that experience, apart from the point when. Uh, mankind starts to intrude on uh, nature's world and that actually becomes threatening and scary only mm. towards the end where that kind of you know you get over those fears and those um, anxieties of man kind of invading this world and man and nature kind of work together towards the end it's just it's interesting that they managed to make such a gripping story from so little in terms of like text uh, they don't tell you anything you just interpret it for yourself I, I was just really impressed with the uh, storytelling on show here did you play it uh, back when it came out or was this a recent um, I didn't uh, play it when it came out I played it about a year like 2010 I think I played okay. it Um uh, and it was basically based on word of mouth. Everyone was like saying, "You need to play this game," and so I was like, "All oh, right, I'll play this game." And it totally lived up to the hype. Um, I don't think um, I love this game as much as some people. Some people rank it. I, I think it's visually one of the best looking games I've ever seen. I don't know if I would rank it amongst my favorite games of all time, like some people seem to. But it certainly impressed me a lot. Sure. Yeah, uh, well, for me, what most impressed me out of the whole experience was I got, I felt different emotions than I do playing any other games. Like, that was the first kind of game that I played where I felt calm or nice. You know, I, I wasn't, you're not shooting anything, it's getting headshots or anything like that. And, um,. Yeah, it's really beautiful to look at and great sounding and just everything kind of came together in one big swoop and just kind of hit me real hard and I loved it to death. Yeah, I think it's hard. You know, when we're talking about we're going to be doing that game company show, you get the obvious kind of like, oh, here we go, it's the arty farty, you know, 
show and, and they're going to be like all falling over these games because they, they try different they're just experiences yet yeah, I, I find that really weird because we're in an industry which is dominated by you know loud guns and explosions and racing and fighting and you, you know, I, I'm all for all that kind of stuff it, it's fun it's oh, entertaining yeah. and it's what this medium was fundamentally built on um, but Flow was one of those you know few games even fewer back then which said fine we have this power let's try just something different let's try a few different emotions and you know it, I think people get quite squirmy when you start talking about emotions and stuff but you know like you said Leon I mean I, I, I'm a gardener so you know there's there's a sense of um, you know nature about me I, I'm with nature all the time I respect nature mm-hmm. I, and I see the you know how um, you know the urban chaos can encroach and destroy which you know I, I beloved and, and base my entire career around so mm-hmm. to me you know this game speaks on, on quite a fundamental personal level because um, you know I, I've seen it actually happen um, yet when you, you you read a bit more deeply into the text of really what this game is about then I mean I it kind of passed me by that this was actually a, a flower having a dream I mean this is what the, the that game company seemed to suggest this is what it's all about is the flower itself having a dream about um, the idyllic setting I mean so the game itself is is split into I think it's, it's like six different areas yeah so the different flowers on the shelf in the room that is the hub have different dreams depending on what's going on outside the window whether which yeah depends on the weather and um yeah sort of the traffic and, and things like that yeah. so i mean if quickly shall i break down into roughly what the, you know is is the recognized look of what this game is actually about or where these games yeah, yeah. come from so and, and we can see whether we all caught on to this because some of these were a bit new to me and I mean I, I played it back on the release day I thoroughly enjoyed it I, I'm not too sure I got 100% of the subtext of it but I certainly understood that, that you know nature um, you know the urban chaos versus nature is, is a challenge that is c- continually unfolding but um, the idea is one that the first dream where you, you sink into this world so you wake up and, and you're in a very dark room and you wake up into this what well, has to be say idyllic country setting um, you're, you're just this flower in a meadow and the wind blows and uh, anybody can play I would say anybody can play this game because it's one button, Uh, the button controls the wind, the six axis controls the movement of that wind Um, and uh, you know a lot of games talk about that one button control, that idyllic thing but I would argue later on like Journey I don't think is a game which every single person can play and uh, I think Flow is is a little bit abstract in its (laughs) concepts on occasions um and I think Journey is one of those few ones where I mean, I could hand the control to somebody and they would probably instantaneously pick up the idea of what they're doing. So the first one is an open field, just a meadow. Um, and the idea obviously is just collect, you know, or interact with the flowers around you in the wind. Just And it's lots of sound with the wind gusting around you. And it's just a joy to behold as you, you know, fly on that breeze. Um, I had this turned up really loud, I must admit. Um, yeah, me too. Last and night Journey. playing. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, Jesus, it was like there was a storm raging through my house. Um, the second dream is, is slightly different. Um, so you, you experience that, but now the dream kind of involves into more of a uh, a fantasy type for the for the flower. So like the, if you remember, the colours are really exaggerated. So you've got really bright purples and pinks, and like the, there's a rainbow, and it's like transcends more than just you know natural normal nature. Um, there's even a part in the game where uh, once you've collected all these little purple areas that you can actually start painting the grass um, mm. 
by like flying around you you start leaving these big trails behind you uh, so it's more about the flowers kind of like you know idyllic fantasy of what it could be um the third one see if i'm boring you here or not <laughs> no 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 not at all but the third one is is the first interaction with um uh, interaction with um the urban environment so this is the first time you come across windmills um so but they're, power they're like turbines aren't they yeah, yeah power turbines so it it's kind of like the, the the flowers kind of saying well you know we need to live in some sort of harmony and you know this necessary you know if they're power turbines and um you know haystacks like there's an understanding that you know nature needs to be tamed to a degree if the you know, if these two civilizations of nature versus urban uh, need to exist so it, it's like there's a willingness to say well you know windmills and and you know farming is okay uh, you know, we can coexist together and i actually think this is the most beautiful level in the game because it, it's set at night like joss says um and you're actually a ball of light flying around looks stunning yeah whenever you go into the the pool of light cast by one of the uh, lampposts um you sort of get yeah like electrified as it were but not in a not in a sort of cold out of infamous kind of way in a kind of magical glowing kind of way and yeah you you swim around the grass and it feels it looks and feels at its best at this point yeah yeah, and uh, I, I don't know. It really got me that that one in particular because it, it feels like yeah, this is the idyllic view. Like you know, we I remember going to Denmark um, recently, and there's lots of wind turbines there, and you're, you're like you know they they choose to do that instead of nuclear power, and you're like they have well, many detractors, of course. The wind they turbines. they do indeed, but there there was a certain natural beauty to them as well. Yeah. yeah from somewhere where you know there's a lot of urban stuff going on. I believe we're getting some off the south coast. That's the plan anyway, so they'll actually be visible from where i live as they'll be out in the sea which um some people are up in arms about but you know i don't know the science but uh yeah well there's always their detractors um and in fact this level is the one where things take a turn for the darker uh, all of a sudden um just when you're swooshing around being the wind and glowing petals um all magically at night um things start to go wrong don't they it's, do you remember this shot? It's, it's like this weird black. It's almost like the darkness. Yeah, like electrical pylons mm, yeah. start appearing. Telephone um, wires and stuff. Yeah, because at first all the um, constructs that are appearing um, kind of feel like non-aggressive because you have the windmills, which are kind of just structures that kind of interact with nature mm-hmm. without intruding on it. Well, there, there's even that part in the game where you you set the windmills off, um, yeah, yeah, and you know they produce the wind for you to fly at greater heights and greater speeds. Yeah, it's it's man working with nature mm. instead of against it. Whereas uh, with the electrical pylons, they feel like a corruption kind of spreading across the environment. Um, and it, there's that one mm. level that's totally uh, dedicated to them, where they're just like jutting out of the ground like spikes. I know this is a weird reference to bring in, but it's kind of like Mordor uh, in Lord of the Rings. It's like it's battleground, just black, yeah. um, just death everywhere. It just feels really lifeless and soulless, um, especially when you hit the electrical pylons and some of your petals just turn into charcoal. And yeah, that's. I've never felt as hurt in a game as I do in Flower, even though you know it can't kill you or i don't i don't know what happens if you just keep bashing yourself into a pylon i assume it just keeps hurting but it you feel really wounded um and uh yeah it's it's a really unpleasant thing the one 
one thought I did have today when playing it through again is, is is there something is there some commentary or statement going on about the fact that the when you're first charging up the the wind turbines by touching the flowers around them there it's those that are powering the lights but you seem to follow that chain of power down towards these electrical pylons is there something about the irony of the fact that the um the 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 wind is helping that which is hurting nature i could easily see that being <laughs> a reference if you wanted to be i mean that's that's what's so good about these games you can actually look at them and a bit like you know the conversation with limbo like that there is no strict narrative that runs through it in fact when you played it first time you grew your own narrative entirely from it which you know is entirely different from what seems to be the common meaning of it yeah but, um you know, I would I would say that yeah, I mean the, the the representation of that once you get into what what's the battleground, it's just meant to be like it's it's nature's worst fear that you know the whole area is now dark. There is really no life. That in the few pieces of life are, are surrounded by death in itself because if it touches these things, ultimately it could die. Although you know, as a player, you're never likely to. Um, and it's it's kind of like the really the illusion of its worst nights nightmares. Um, and but I, I think you need that I mean it's, I actually find that quite when I played it quite repressive and it's one of those ones where imagine if if you were just a random person I shoved the controller in front and said you didn't really know about games you'd probably find that level quite hard to deal with um, from you know this joyous movement and f- flowing to this you know quite evil sinister area you have to pick your way through quite carefully yeah it slows you right down and um, and at that point uh up to this point we should say the soundtrack is sort of interactive and dynamic um, by uh, Vincent Diamante might be Vicente Vincente I'm not sure Vincent Diamond uh, is uh, so there's some amazing music um, and uh, the different flowers you touch produce different vocal effects and different instruments sometimes it might be a, a guitar sometimes it might be a harp or a little a vocal sting but uh, at this point becomes discordant uh, sort of a tonal detuned guitar sort of sound playing for this I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't do this second time but playing for the first time did everyone try to get all the flowers they possibly could yeah, yeah um, mainly because I have an OCD personality yeah. <laughs> when it comes to collecting stuff so I have to uh, even though you know I'm not required to um, which became really hard during that electrical pylon level because they deliberately put some flowers in between uh, some of the electrical things and I keep you know keep hitting those pylons and losing petals and after a while like this is very unlike me uh, after a while I just gave up collecting flowers um in Whoa. those areas because I felt like I was actually killing myself my character uh, <laughs> if you can call it that I was just I was damaging myself trying to collect everything in that level and um so I kind of you know decided right I'll I'll leave these flowers behind they are no. victims <laughs> so I will just collect the ones who are not lost causes which it's weird how it makes you feel for those flowers despite them not being like people um, I felt like I was saving them. I don't know if anyone else felt like that, but no, it, no, not I, really. Oh, I never okay. quite understood my relationship with with the other flowers. Um, they felt like I like I like going through them because they augment and embellish the soundtrack, uh, and obviously they are. But they are 
really nothing more than switches for turning on the next part of the level well and they're they're always highlighted the ones that basically glow around them are are the flowers that you need to hit for interactive stuff to happen to push you through but there's quite often groups of flowers which if you collected would actually embellish the area that you're in so instead of it yes. being a grey dry patch you would hit these you know say 20 groups of flowers I was going to say this actually reminded me as I was playing it today of uh, obviously we covered Prince of Persia the, the healing mm. grounds the 2008 Prince of Persia it's incredibly similar to that and of course therefore Akami before it so I, I think the gamer in me just didn't want to to not have these areas um completely done but I'd say although the controls are utterly tremendous um, if you do have flowers you need to get back sometimes they do catch you out because you've got a pretty long tail if you're trying to get everything and when you're trying to turn almost upside down with the six axes and it's just it's in your hands going I don't know which way I'm actually facing are you because you know you almost turn the controller upside down to kind of just loop the loop without having to do a huge sweeping loop um, sometimes it, you know, it almost breaks the game. Second time, uh, playing through um, the last couple of days ago, um, I, I didn't do any of that. I decided just to, you know, the ones I could get, I would get en route. Uh, and the ones that needed to be open, I, I went for. But um, through like the, the lot of the windmill sections where you'd, you'd be breezing on the wind, I, I wasn't concerned about any, missing any of those. And it's a, somewhat of a different experience because you really feel the, the wind behind you and you're blowing rather than just... You know, can I stop? Can I just need to get this one? Don't blow, damn! <laughs> a lot of the levels, and uh, and this is how when it's most fun to play and how it's most fun to play it, have a sort of optimum path, the same way as Pac-Man does or Knights into Dreams does. If you if you're playing it right, if you're if you're hitting the optimum path of flowers, you'll you'll get a, a greater sense of joy. The soundtrack will soundtrack, make more yeah. sense, and. Uh, and it, each level will take far less time. If you kind of break off from that, if you if you end up not doing the right path, it's a uh, it, it reminds it reminds me of Pac-Man Championship Edition in that regard. Because what they did in that game was they boiled down the patterns of the dots to the the patterns that uh, sort of patterns that related to the traditional patterns that arcade experts would run. Um, and if you if you ended up broken off from those paths, the game would become much more difficult and much mm. less fun. Uh, and Flower reminds me of that, bizarrely. How about you, Sean? OCD? Uh, well, you know, there's two different kinds of uh, flowers in there. There's the ones that are kind of in a straight line, and then there's giant pools of them. If there mm. are huge pools, I would just get as much as I could and then keep going. But for some reason, if they were in a straight line, if I missed just one, I had to turn around and go back mm. and get them every time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking of all this, um, th- has anyone here collected all the secret flowers yet? You know how there's like, no. you set off like some. a chain of three and then a separate one pops up. Yeah, there's some quite well hidden stuff. Apparently there's uh, there's also, there's uh, there's a couple of clusters per level of secret flowers. And there's also a secret uh, flow uh, cave that has pictures of the creatures oh, really? from flow in it and stuff. Yeah, there's a, there's a trophy for that. Has that got anything to do with the um, the, the leaf dropping in one of the yeah. yes yeah that's when you oh, get right. a secret flower at the end it'll show three different leaves dropping okay and I've had one of those and it, <laughs> I think if you get all of them it unlocks a secret level at the end or something it does or, yeah yeah it's a secret room I believe oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I've got two in most pots and one in a couple uh, yeah there's also some interesting sort of trophies which s- signify the 
the ethos of the game and the team. There are there are at least two trophies for doing nothing. <laughs> so there's one tro- uh, there's one trophy for just leaving it in the room, uh, the the hub, which uh, is pleasant. Um, the depending on which level you've done recently, the 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 atmosphere changes dramatically. So it might be a a cold rainy day, or it might be night, or it might be a, a happy sounding day with people out in the street playing music and kids playing and all that kind of thing. And there's another trophy for simply after you've completed a level, just letting it um, sort of do a play a slideshow to you of the level that you've just played through. I got a nice trophy um, yesterday playing through it. Uh, just randomly, I wasn't even looking at, at what trophies I, I had still remain in the game. I, I set all the windmills off and I just decided for about I don't know, a couple of minutes just to mess around in the wind uh, and unlocked a trophy for doing exactly that. Well, yeah. ah, <laughs> oops. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to get on to the, the final area, um, to kind of maybe conclude some of this, is is that once you've you've been beaten back by this you know the the darkness you know the, the repression of urban chaos um the, the flower then dreams that basically it, it the the best thing you can do is for human uh, or the urbanness and the nature to live in some sort of harmony and not to fight each other and in fact just to kind of coexist and embrace each other so with mm. that you you seem to gather these or gain these powers uh which allows you to basically destroy the darkness around you so that yeah. tran- that transcends into these still iron bars if you smash into them they just they make the great sound of like and just you know, disappear in these you know be, you know white almost you know, they go glow white and kind of just disintegrate in front of you yeah um, and you get to paint paint buildings a bit like de blob and you get to uh color in the swing sets and the slides for the kids to play on and it's... yeah even um there's a motorway section in there yeah. um where you know obviously cars would, would travel up and down but you know the the flower uses it as this high speed link between two different areas you kind of clean it up don't you yeah it's joyous as you you know smack down all the different scenery and then set this road and all color returns back to the world and the buildings are all kind of symbiotic well symbiotic with nature so you know flowers and stuff growing around them and yeah and they're kind of clean and and yeah. they you know they got smooth edges instead of these sharp angular shapes yeah it's incredibly sort of life affirming and yeah it's powerful it's euphoric yeah that's the final thing is that you you smash your way away through a, the kind of this you've been around these steel girders and you, you smash away through this tunnel of great steel girders throughout the sky it's like almost spider webs of steel of steel girders aren't they yeah uh, and then that kind of ends with a, a cut scene of a flower growing in the side of a pavement <laughs> next um, to a busy well, road a bef- just before that when you come out of the top of what was this big sort of gnarly mechanical monstrosity uh, you burst out the top in the end and it's become this giant blossoming pink tree oh the tree yeah yeah yeah. I I really like that ending sequence um, not just because it was emotional because it was it was really nice bringing colour and healing the world but also just to like say fuck you to those steel girders because <laughs> they were punishing you so much in that level uh, burning your petals it was just nice to go ah, see how it feels you bastards <laughs> um, but <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was just really satisfying cleaning up um, all that like clutter and stuff, and linking into what you were uh, saying about it, kind of talking about the human mind and some, you know, somebody's mental health. It does feel like you're cleaning out the crap in your head, mm-hmm. exactly. And just yeah. um, 
you know, letting uh, the more positive things in your life shine. And yeah, remembering what's important and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm, absolutely. Any more on flower? Well, I, I think it, it's one of those games which I think has remained important because I think there was a huge movement of um, you know games trying different stuff with this generation. Um, although we've had a lot, a lot of the similar stuff, I think this was something that that really tried to you know take a concept and run with it and didn't need the shooty shooty bang bangs or you know all the action stuff. It, it went in a slightly different direction, and I think that's why it's loved. It's got to be said, it, it's in some parts it's equally hated for that precise reason. Um, you know, some people yeah. don't like the movement of. Um, I, I don't. I, I. I don't even know really how to sum up the movement of. I, I want to say intellectual games, but then that's just patronising to people that enjoy all the yeah, other stuff. So. I, well, it's not that. It's 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 a divisive game, and I think uh, that's important for any art form to progress. The thing with film is that not everyone likes it. All the films. I, I think that one of the problems with this industry is that games are very uh, games are all catered to a very specific audience, and that's why the majority of critics kind of all agree on what games are good and what games are bad. Uh, when you look at film criticism, the reviews are far more. Uh, disparate, and it's because there are all sorts of different kind of films that are not for everyone, uh, not for a specific kind of audience, and not targeted at everyone. And I like the fact that Flower is so different from everything else that it can divide people's opinion so dramatically. What I uh, what I don't enjoy, and I think the worst thing we could do on this podcast is to sort of. Have I think segregate? <laughs> no, I, I I think like we could have deliberately. I think I think we. I'm not sure exactly how we assembled the panel for this one, but I mean the way we assemble the panel for all our podcasts is to do with who's actually finished the game and who wants to talk about it, and it's not based on who likes it and who hates it and whatever. Um, in a way, it would have been interesting to have somebody who didn't like it on, but. As I say, I think the worst thing we could do would have the most pointless conversation where you have one person, me, saying, uh, it moved me, it made me cry, and another person saying, well, it did nothing for me. So that's, that much is obvious. You don't need to have that conversation. And what, what annoys me the most, and this goes for Journey as well, and this works both ways, both with people who did get something out of these games and people who didn't, is the sort of... the the attitude of negativity towards the other kind of person so the people who did get something out of this kind of and, and I'm not saying this is some people this is just a subset of people this is not most people but you do see it and you do hear it people who did get something out of flower or journey kind of almost being dismissive of people who didn't as being you know intellectually moribund or something or, or spiritually lacking and just as frustratingly and more personally annoying because I do like these games is the the people who didn't get anything out of them but see that in some way as, as making them superior or like ah well I am immune to this emotional nonsense therefore you know I, I don't fall for this hippie bullshit it's like you're you know to me I, I you know I, I think it's it makes more sense just to sort of understand that with something like this not everyone's going to feel the same way it works both ways because I think that there, I think there's a feeling amongst a lot of people where you know we say, oh, this is a higher level of gaming, and you know it. it that's exactly what I just said. Yeah. It's, no, it's, but yeah, but yeah, and a lot of people I think rub against really 
get you know angry about those kind of comments and I don't think I, I think it more comes from the fact that there's fewer games like this than there is all the other types so it, well, uh, the thing that annoys me is that there's there's some people who feel like it has to be one or the other like it, yeah, either, true, it yeah. either has to be Bayonetta or Shadow of the Colossus but the thing is and I feel that the people who like complain about Flower and stuff like Journey is there's that slight fear that the people who champion them want them to replace the games that they grew up with, which is complete rubbish because I want to live in a world where a game like Bayonetta and Flower can coexist together. Yeah, absolutely, uh, the same as with film. I want to, co- you know, I want to exist in a world where I can watch Avengers and Tyrannosaur yeah. because they're two very different experiences but I like them equally for di- very different reasons Absolutely. so I just want more diversity from games, I don't want games to all be like Flower I just want to see something different that's all well, I, I will say this um, that it was the one game to show how great Six Axes was as a control method it was the only game to show yes. how great Six Axes was <laughs> as a control method one thing I wanted to say about that on the control method of Flower uh, <laughs> was um, I noticed today that uh, when I was playing Flower, that the controller was cool, it wasn't warm, and that was because it was resting so lightly in my hand, I wasn't gripping it. The sign of a bad control system, or, or yeah, bad controls in a game, for me, is normally a painful hand, because you're, you're wrenching the controller about trying to get it to do what, what you want to do, trying to get the character to respond in the logical way, in, in, the, in the way that you need him, or it, to... But I had I noticed that I had the six axis just well the DualShock Three. Um, I suppose people would have been playing this with the six axis at the time. Um, just on like on my two fingers of my right hand and my two fingers of my left hand and just kind of rocking it gently about and it was working perfectly. Uh, and that really I that really took me back because that that never happens. <laughs> I will say that I, found, I think this has actually stood the test of time because I haven't played it since it first came out um, and like you Leon I was, I was a tad worried coming back to it because I, I had a fairly emotional connection to it back then mm. and, I th- and I think it still stands out I, I think the controls are I'm going to say a little dated because I don't think there's anything really the six axes has done that has been better but I felt that maybe um, you know that game company before I was pretty sure that Flower was my favourite that game company game going back to it I, I maybe saw one or two little minor niggles which I hadn't seen before and but then that's fine. I mean, that's just the way games evolve. But I, you know, if you look at this, I think if you go back and you look at Flower in, in 10 to 15 years, it will still be utterly beautiful and still have all these meanings in it where a lot of these other games would have been and gone. Um, and I think that's that's a sign of a, a truly fantastic game, a classic game. And I think this fits pretty much every single bill that this will, you know, we'll still be talking about this game in, in 10, 15 years' time. So it's an important game. And it's really, it's pretty cheap, isn't it? I can't remember how much it is now, but. It's certainly worth checking out if if you've got a PlayStation Three. It should be on your must play list. Yeah, the the themes are very timeless, so it kind of mm. feels like in in the future we'll definitely still be talking about it. We're still going to have nature around, so we'll still be talking about it. Oh, will we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a conversation with someone who uh, I doubt listens to this podcast, but shall remain nameless nonetheless. Who said that Flower had terrible anti-aliasing? Ah, oh, yes. Well, then um, you, you can you can call Dits out. It's fine. He won't mind. <laughs> and uh, uh, I I thought 
that was honestly one of the most depressing tweets I've ever read because <laughs> to to reduce something like this to something like that is for me is just the antithesis of how I view the world and it's yeah it's kind of like saying you know I don't know there's a there's a chip of paint off the Mona Lisa or something like that it's like really is that is that what bothers you because there's a lot more going on than that and it, it, is, it is weird though what gets people's goats I mean that is something yeah. that obviously got, got his and he found it hard to then continue with the game yet to me it, it was really a non-issue I, you know, I was too in awe of what was going on on the screen to, I'll to be honest I, I didn't even notice to be honest well I, I did this time going back to it because he said it yeah <laughs> thanks to this year's Critical Darling journey. Uh, I wrote a piece, I was invited to write a little piece for an actual PlayStation print magazine by our friend Ready Up's Kirsten Kearney, uh, the start of 2011. And it was uh, it was about which PSN download game are you looking forward to most in 2011? And I wrote a few hundred words on journey, saying how much I was looking forward to it. But it didn't come out in 2011. In the end, it came out in... 2012 but uh, I'm glad I'm glad because obviously whatever they spent those extra few months on um, was probably worth it um, I've already given away how I how I how much I like this game um, I've just finished through my second uh, play of it uh, and before recording this very podcast um, oddly I downloaded it when it came out for PSN Plus owners which was a week early uh, but I didn't play it until I think a week after it had come out for everybody so I was just completely snowed under with positive feedback on Twitter and forums and general internet Um, and so I did have that sort of elevated expectations thing going on but uh, who else who got this PSN Plus day one before it was available to the commoner (laughs) <laughs> Me too, and I didn't, right. I didn't play it until a good 
I think probably three weeks after. But in- okay, you had a similar experience to me. I guess. Yeah, well, I remember having that conversation with you, where you know, got you know, Sean, the very person here, Sean said this may be one of my gr- the greatest game of the decade, and it was like, whoa, like. You know, how can I walk into a game with with you know, that kind? Of, I mean, everybody was talking it in that kind of language. It's just and, some two-hour long artsy fartsy bollocks, yeah, isn't and it? You're like, Whoa, okay. But um, I mean, I, I actually, I mean, I was very interested in this game. Obviously, I love flowers, so I'd, I'd kind of been tracking its development and listening to podcasts who had talked about it and how weird it was and couldn't really tell you anything because it would spoil it. Um, and then I played it at Eurogamer, well, last year's Eurogamer. Oh, did um, you? Right. Okay. In a in a really. I, I mean, I don't regret doing it now because, but you know, this, the, you've played it in somewhat out of context. It's not from the very start. It's, yeah, I think it's this. I, I've gone on record as saying I hate playing any games in that scenario, but I would, I would avoid playing something like Journey. Well, but I, I'm interested. What was it? Was it a chunk of the first level, it or what was, was it? Yeah, the, the once you, I assume it's the second area. Once you've kind of done the bridge, no, it's the bridge area. There you go. It's it's that whole bridge uh-huh. area. You set up that and you go through. Um, hmm. And it's probably not the worst place you could ever play it because I was playing it next to the Uncharted free multiplayer <laughs> section. Um, Josh, you may remember this. There was lots of noise of people shouting, you know, Drake himself as else doing all these quotes behind it, and I'm yeah. and I'm trying to concentrate on this this weird. I think Journey with some Nolan North wisecracks. They put Shadow of the Colossus HD and Ico next to Uncharted oh, Three as well. Terrible. So yeah. poor choice of uh, games to pair together, but but uh, oh well. But it's, I mean, that's a good half an hour, 40 minute chunk. Um, certainly when I, because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, really? I, I think it was then. It seemed a bit longer. I don't know why, but I, I remember playing it and really annoying the guy behind me because I started and I was like, I don't want to just want to play this. And I didn't want to get off it until like it, it was obvious that the demo was over. So I, I sat down and I even had a man say that, you know, you're playing this too long. And I turned around saying, well, it's beautiful. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, which you know maybe after Josh's <laughs> wonderful comment on Shadow of the Colossus, which oh shut up, <laughs> yes, I, I managed to escape, escape that meme, but don't yes. bring it back. But um, but yeah, that was a terrible. I, I should never have played it there, but you know it was a game I was that interested in. But um, yeah, let's get I on. I thought having a sort of minor verbal altercation would have shattered the <laughs> magical atmosphere of Journey even further. Because um, like, I, I find I find sort of exchanges like that incredibly tense, and so I would have it would have I would have no longer wanted to play the game anyway because I'd know that someone was watching my sho- over my shoulder. Well, so I've used this word a few times, but I, I kind of feel like the game transcended the environment it's in, even though there was Drake shouting behind oh. me and there was a man telling me to get off the, of the console. Yeah, okay. I yeah. was kind of like, Do you know what? I'm absorbed in. in this. I'm not going anywhere. Totally immersed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I played this um, basically the moment it came out for PSM Plus members because I was really excited for this game. Um, it was one of my most anticipated uh, for this year up there with Bioshock uh, Infinite. Um, and I think I kind of, because I have loads of free time being single and living alone, um, <laughs> um, I managed to play this game uh, before all the like the big wave of praise started coming out so i didn't really have any expectations going in apart from you know just being excited to play that game company's next uh game um what really str- first of all i have to say like this is by far that game company's best game i think it surpasses flower and flow by many miles i think it's way above those games um i I think 
it's one of the best games this generation. Um, I'm just going to put that out there right now. Um, uh, in terms of the experience I had with it, um, it, the closest thing I would compare it to is my experience of Sh- Shadow of the Colossus when I played it the first time, in that it just completely um, ab- absorbed me into its world. Like I was the because mo- I played it with uh, big surround sound headphones on uh, on my big TV, so I was just completely immersed in the world that they had created. And what a world it is! It's this game is so beautiful. Um, one sequence that really stands out for me is uh, not the first area but uh, there's an area of desert after the bridge section where you stare out um, at the mountain which is your ultimate goal and you see the clouds and the sky and it just looks like a painting it looks mm. like a work of art it's, and the sand as well just looks so gorgeous um, it's not because uh, I get the sense that it's not actually um technically that demanding because everything looks quite stylized and painterly not cell shaded but not exactly uh highly detailed like uh, uncharted or something like that um uh, but i think the soundtrack also is really good it's the same person who did the soundtrack for flow i believe austin wintery, austin wintery. his name is mm-hmm. um yep. and some moments in that game are re- especially towards the end that soundtrack is um absolutely fantastic um what are your guys thoughts on the look a look on the i rabbited on for ages now no, I, I, what, what do you guys I, think? I find it interesting that you head straight towards the graphics because i think the best games which i've ever played are ones which you know all that stuff is is important to me but it's not the issues that bring up in my mind it is like that all just focuses into the background because i'm so immersed in the game sure the graphics and the sound and all that are the reasons i'm immersed in the game but like it's that the word transcend is stuck in my head now so i should just keep using it it's you know it, it transcends all that and i feel like i'm just part of the experience so few games ever feel make me feel like you know, there's a pun here, but yeah, that you're just part of the journey. Um, so it, yeah, it's I agree with you. Like it, it looks amazing. Um, the colours are so vibrant, and and can be also very very dark in the in the cave section. Um, and the music that overwhelms you, but it's one of those things where all that stuff kind of just went to the back of my mind because I was this person travelling on this this adventure. So I, I think. I think I mentioned that stuff first simply because that's the first thing that struck me about the game immediately. It was like, wow, it looks great. Um, but like, if you want to talk about some of the more interesting things about the game, I think we need to talk about the multiplayer aspect because I think it's one of the most interesting uh, uses of uh, the online uh, capabilities of the PS3 in a long time, and I know it borrows a lot from Demon Souls. I know Sean will probably talk about that—the idea of players just randomly coming into your game. But uh, the difference is in Demon Souls, when somebody randomly appears in your game, you're terrified, and uh, you—that is not a good thing. Um, whereas in Journey, when you meet somebody, it's this really interesting and unique experience, and it also makes playing the game again feel different every time. Because every, it's weird how much personality people can convey just by the simple uh, interactions 
that you can have in the game. Like all you can do is like chirp, jump around, and, and move. But you e- instantly get a sense of what somebody's like just by the way they use those simple controls. Like obviously, if because I met somebody who just ran around in circles all over the place and just jumped everywhere, so that person's clearly hyperactive. But then there was this was other person. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but there was this other person who was always just like standing waiting for me to progress I feel like that person I, this was on a second playthrough um, this person just stood and waited for me because they knew they'd been through the game before so they were just waiting for me to uh, get a move on and stuff like that it was really interesting I wonder if uh, I was thinking about this uh, and <clears throat> I've played the game through twice and met about 15 different people I guess in that time and I haven't perhaps got that sense of their personality so much um, but maybe it's just because I've met like the the two people who I spent the longest time with I can't remember the name of the first one in my first playthrough but uh, I made a note of uh, Bocat73 the chances of them being a listener are slim but I'm in- interested that uh, it's 73 I'm, I'm wondering if that's uh, year of birth because that makes them very close to my age um, and this person they were in a, they were in the white uh, robe meaning which means that oh, they've, right. so they've done everything they've played it a lot yeah. yeah and in fact I noticed this today uh, I, I only saw a couple of people in um, red uh, the or the original sort of brownie red uh, cape and several people in white so it seems like un, I suppose unsurprisingly that it's boiling down to people who absolutely love the game and just seem to want to stay in there helping other people out so this this bocat dude or lady um, helped me through a large chunk of the game and just led me to all the um, the glyphs and uh, murals just um, tweet 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 you know, chirp, 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 um, waited for me, called me uh, if I went off in the wrong direction, come back to get me. And, and this is this has been my experience. And it, it is, there is something incredibly, I don't know whether it's some magic of the game, whether it's to do with the kind of people who are likely to be playing the game journey, whether it's because there's only a certain amount of things you can do in that game. And so the you know on one hand i want to say that actually you know this game proves that people want to help each other and communication is very simple and, and languages doesn't don't matter and all that kind of thing but on the other hand i'm also thinking if you only give people one noise and basically one thing to do which is find things or move forward then it's not that difficult to get them to tell each other to do that it's it, i mean it's it's odd i had a slightly different experience um there's an interesting argument to say about this game is is can you get the wrong person um you know i, I know there's a, a few people out there that had this this experience where you know the people there just wanted to muck around and ultimately you don't need them i mean you can pro- progress with this game entirely and sing- singly on your own so you don't actually need the other person so you can still do the stuff um so i think you know it's when when the game first came out there was the sense of everybody was exploring this world together so it's a distant sense to what it is now because I think if you play it now you do come across like you say these people that are still hanging on that haven't um, that are, you know, if you're a new person to it and you're coming into it new but there's a lot of people in there that have played it to death and know every single secret and are this tuitionist guide but I think equally there's a chance you can when you played it early that you could have just found somebody that was just oh what's this journey thing it seems to be getting a lot of hype I don't really understand run around in circles cheap 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 now I had a um a different experience. I played it, what, say two to three weeks later. Um, and I was conscious of 
both of those groups now I, I remember Black, Brad Galloway from Games Critics talking about he had a horrible time with people um, that just didn't want to interact with what he was doing within the game and yet I've heard other people talk about how they had this amazing journey and experience with somebody and it was one player uh, but they only found out at the end in fact it was three or four players that, that was yeah, different towards the end of the game it's almost seamless yeah um, and that you didn't really know, and but then if you, you know, if you study it, maybe their their movements were slightly different than what the other player was doing. So I knew all this stuff going into it, and I had high expectations. So I I went in, and you do the first area, and then they finally introduce you to your second player. And I think I came across somebody that was pretty much in the same place as me, had just come to this game for the first time. We didn't really know what we were doing, and we were kind of exploring and working out what stuff did together. And I think that was a lucky thing to have happened because, and because I knew of the horror stories where people, like uh, Jeff Gersman on Giant Bomb, saying he was going down that slide section and and obviously lost that person and then they didn't come back. Every time I came to a section where I knew there was a chance which maybe we could be separated, I kind of hung back, hung back a little bit, or they kind of waited for me, and I actually managed to go through the entire game with a singular person, uh, got the trophy for it. There, and yeah, it, I was going to say trophy for that. Uh, yeah, it's not happened it to a, me at all. It was a really powerful experience because we both, I think we were both cautious that we didn't want to lose each other. And this raminated in, in a couple of really dramatic scenes. So we're going down that slide and, you know, you can get some real speed. And I was, you know, I was kind of backing off and letting him catch up. And we were that at one point we were racing. But there was a the section where you go for the tower where um, I was jumping up and, you know, I fell all the way pretty much down to the bottom. And he was, you know, a fair chunk of the way up. And I thought, no, I finally, you know, I've lost him. And he just kept doing this. I know it sounds really strange, but he kept doing these like reassuring tweets of like, no, I'm still here. I've not gone anywhere. And I slowly worked my way back up. And when I got to the top, he's like, doo, 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 doo. and I'm like, oh man, you're still here. And it's just still the same person. And we did. We finished the game together up until that that final scene where you know ultimately stuff happens. Um, so yeah. it's, it's odd. People have very different experience with the multiplayer, um, and I can see mm. how equally it can be quite frustrating as well as uh, I don't know. Uh, my experience is kind of similar to Tony's in that the, I played it, you know, when it first, actually when it first came out, and um, I had uh, a guy show up pretty much at the second stage, and we stuck together throughout the whole thing, and um, I actually lost him at the very, very end during after you kind of die, you know, and you go up. I lost him there. <laughs> So it was the most crushing life. Well, I think, yeah, they, they always die at that point because you both essentially die together. They die before you. Well, yeah, you die but then I played it again and you, you do actually, it, some people will be in there with you at the end. So it was like my first time playing through. I lost him at the very end. It was crushing. Yeah, I mean, we, we uh, I guess people probably know, but uh, this game fairly obviously tells the story of a life a person's life um i know there are sort of various interpretations about somebody somebody posited that it might be a sperm but i don't don't dig that at all um (laughs) i certainly found the uh, i I found it interesting that um the first time i played through i did the final section um in in a two so well i say the final section the final section where your your body dies because there, you, there are two deaths in this game, aren't there? There's, there's where your body dies, where it, it, you lose your scarf, which goes gets longer throughout the game, and then it shrinks back. You get slower and colder, and your physical form dies. But then you ascend to something like heaven and are reborn. Um, the first time I did the the slow crawl to death was with somebody else, and we were share. You can sh- you're sort of sharing each other's 
energy or warmth to keep each other going um which definitely is affecting in some way but the second time i did it so i i was alone because the the guy who or lady who'd seen me through all those levels showing me where stuff was had obviously quit out at that point because there's nothing more to find i don't think in the in the in the last level so they they've probably gone back to the hub to go back to the first level to help somebody else out it seems like that's what they're doing i can imagine that's what they're doing anyway um and i actually found the the solo walk to death more affecting because yeah i i'm i'm sadly i do believe you know everyone dies alone and um I don't does this do you think this game is saying something although it is obviously you know an allegory for life a human life um is it also saying something or not about sharing your life with somebody else I I do get that I I'm not so sure um that the darker area kind of si- although it is in the game it's definitely that character dying and then ascending to heaven um, I, in terms of the metaphor, it being about somebody's life, I I interpreted it as being like the trials of life, mm. just when life gets really dark, like when you know inevitably you know you have relatives and friends who die, or you're just having a rough time at work or in your personal life, um, and that person like providing you warmth is just like, okay, like you're having a hard time now, but. You know, you can lean on people. They they can support you. They can help you through these hard times. They're also and having a terribly hard time, though. It, it's not like like the rest of the game. You, you can, if you meet somebody with a, a a white robe and a much longer scarf, that feels more like that to me because that person is able to, you know, uh, not heal you but give you the the energy or the confidence, as some people suggest, the scarf represents, to jump higher, to go further, but in that that point where you're climbing up the very last stage of the mountain and the the sort of uh the the creatures which hover above you and spot you with their lights and try to hurt you they they to me seem like the sort of circling harbingers of death you know they're like the i know they don't actually they're not what finishes you off but they're they're very much there's more of them as you go throughout the game the the chances of the feeling that you're approaching death is more likely um so yeah, that that does that interpretation that doesn't quite work for me that one. I I don't know. I I feel like so when you're going through a rough time, if it's like family or something like that, sometimes you're going through a rough time with somebody. True, and true. Somebody that that you know, going through it together makes it easier to handle. Well, I mean, it's, for me, I mean, I, I studied this game as a whole. Um, journey of someone's life so I mean I'm probably falling more closer to Leon's kind of interpretation of this is entirety of someone's you know being born into this world and you see him go out of this world and I you know I think that's pretty powerful but I mean at the same time the, the interpretation can be whatever you want to be it's the same issue with Flower it's the same with you with other games you know Limbo we've talked about absolutely I think it's harder to find a, a, a more uh, alternate view of Journey I think it, it it's I think there are subtleties within which is what we're sort of discussing but I think the overall concept of the game is is pretty sort of there obviously there and literal Play, playing for a second time I kind of broke down the different areas into what I felt they meant to me I, I the first time I just I wanted to play for it and just you know experience it what it what it was and you know I had my own emotional reaction to it second time I actually decided and yeah people may agree with this or not but I thought it would be interesting to do I decided just to play entirely on my own 
um, and mm. experience it as an you know an entirely different thing and, and not with a you know I had somebody as a a person within that for for the entirety of the game first playthrough so why not try it as somebody without so yeah, just literally definitely. I unplugged the network cable and decided to to play it alone um, which is that the only know, way to play it alone or I do think you can... you can do it in a menu I think I remember but I just like uh-huh. easy easy to do um, mm. so it gave me more time to kind of. I, I felt bad if I if I had some someone next to me and I, I was one of those people who's just kind of like I want to go and explore over here and yeah. kind of work out the meaning of this one thing over here and they want to go and do the bridge and I'm like no, so I that, want to be over that here that may be so. making a comment on life as well and, and yeah, relationships absolutely. in that it actually can be more pressure to have as as well as they can support you uh, it can sometimes be diff- more difficult to have somebody who relies on you and depends on you so if I break it down into rough interpretations what I think each area means yeah, and we can have our own do. feelings into that um, so I think the, the first area is almost like your birth your childhood um, the very early stages where you're learning the controls it's almost like you're learning to walk for the very first time and um, there's this big kind of open stretch of world and there's this one light and you're just going to head towards it because you know that's the one thing you, you know to do it's almost like our gaming knowledge is head towards the light so it, to me it just yeah, feels there's like there's a lot of that and and also it's it's a little daunting at first as well and you can't see very much which is also like being uh, a young child you don't really know what anything is although it looks like there's this huge area to explore if you start going off uh, the, the wind actually picks you up and, and pushes you down into a single yeah direction. that's true throughout the game um, yeah. I mean there's there's loads of great game design elements to this game as well and it but it, it basically funnels you through without you realizing unless you're somebody who kind of passes this stuff for a living like we do mm. not for a living but for a hobby so I felt like once you got into the second area that was almost like um, your first test as a, a small kid that um, you know you, you've got to complete these fairly simple tasks rudimentary tasks which is you know build this bridge um, you know although it's complex to you when, when you actually think back to it it's pretty easy compared to the rest of the game which is you just need to you know stand next to these flags that are pretty close to you and, and set them off so it feels like that's just like your really early childhood of here we go you know you're, you're off on your first steps um, it's like going to this it goes into the second area which kind of like your, your adolescence um, so I wrote this down and then I kind of remembering what I was experiencing I was going through so the ages of man number two it's like that Resident Evil puzzle <laughs> alright yes <laughs> um, so you enter this, this isn't it's this huge desert, uh, desert isn't it in I think the third area it's where the sound um, is more pinky yeah, is this the pinky yeah you, you get the, the cloth monsters don't you which um, friendly sort of friendly things uh, yeah. sort of yeah sort of, sort of fish like uh, all the all the cloth creatures throughout the game they're even even in the areas which aren't sort of like they're underwater are are sort of quite yeah they they have a they have a sense of the oceanic about them the marine life especially the ones that look like fish <laughs> because I was so focused in, in this is somebody's journey in life I kind of I looked at what I I thought that maybe they could be and and to me that you know if you're talking about the early stuff being childhood then maybe this is you know the guardians around you so this is maybe your parents because ultimately they show you the way to go they if you can jump on them they give you a helping hand they give you power um, so it's almost like they could be your parents, your guardians, some people you trust in as a, a kid to kind of light and show you a way. Uh, they're really friendly and, and kind of show you everything you need to do and, and put you in the right direction. Um, which then leads to the bit where you slide and 
that is so great the the sliding down mm. the, the freeness of the of textures being on Los are, are, are crucial in this game as well i mean that's one of the other things that makes it even though it's quite abstract looking the fact that the textures of the cloth and the sand and the brick and everything are so convincing and the sound effects as well as the amazing score all that stuff being so good and so believable is is what helps immerse you yeah i mean i don't know how everyone else feels but that was an emotional rush there um just the, you know oh, essential yeah, yeah. a, a census rush if, it's if euphoric yeah totally yeah. especially when it goes sideways and you start going from right to left right before that last jump off it's just that sunrise yeah or sunset that's yeah that's yeah it's i mean yeah it, well, we've already mentioned the graphics but i like as josh said about flower i think this is one of the finest looking video games ever mm. i i love that uh, sequence because it it kind of feels like you're getting a taste just to go into the metaphorical side of it it's almost like you're getting a taste of like the challenging side of life but it's less that it's a struggle and a hardship and more you're enjoying like um accomplishing something like yeah. uh, taking on a challenge yeah like, going through know, the hoops like, yeah, like taking a big know, leap of faith. Everyone's done like a project, worked on like a project or something like that. That is hard work and it's challenging. But after you've completed it, you feel really good about yourself. Like, yeah, I did that. Um, so that that's kind of what it felt like to me. It's like it, it, this wasn't like the easy going uh, part of your life, like the earlier stages. This was challenging for that character, but it was also fun and exhilarating. Yeah, I, I kind of looked at it like it was your transition. You know, like you're you've just done school. You know, you're going to uni. It's your it's your twenties. It's like everything. The world's ahead of me. I can just grab grab this place, and it's you know the guardians are still with you. So your parents and and the people surrounding you are still there, and you're meeting new friends, and you transition on that period. And it's you know it's a great like I say euphoric period, and I'm sure we all look fondly back on our twenties or Josh and. Being in this I, was say, <laughs> I don't have to look back. Um, but there you go. You're you're in that wonderful slide moment. Enjoy, um, it, because eventually you'll get to an evil cave. Um, <laughs> yeah, where we're death's waiting for people you. People are trying to kill monsters. you. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I I saw the cave. So you do. You see, they go from this bright euphoric sense of exploring and and, and wonderment into this dark temple place um, it's almost like when you go into your proper adulthood you finally leave university or, or school and you get yourself a job and then you suddenly realise that bills and everything are going to pound upon you and there's a lot of pressures in life um, so before this came I didn't think that the, I mean from flower I mean I, I really didn't think there would be things that could harm me in this world and I certainly mm. didn't have the sense of that when I was first playing it um, and I remember two or three people being very surprised on Twitter and almost giving up the game um you know, being oh my god, that bit, and it's actually quite scary that that environment because yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's very. I alien. was going to say uh, it's scarier than a lot of survival horror games Absolutely. I've played. Way recently. way scarier than Eternal Darkness. The, the yeah, <laughs> well, it's just it's it's not that it's it's not that it's shock scary. Like it's not boo. Well, the the first time you meet one of those things, it is. It's kind of like a shock as it comes out of the ground. But it's just how intimidating they are as they're mo- gliding across the environment well, with their their eyes. It's just they feel. 
powerful and you feel so weak by comparison. And you've been building up this scarf the entirety of the game, being very proud of your scarf, and if they hit you, then they take a chunk of your scarf away. It's... Mm. Oh... It's horrible because they knock you right back as well, and you. you so I mean, I'm going to guess. I mean, looking at this more abstractly, that that's meant to be like the trials of of early adulthood, where things are, are pecking against you. You know, the pressures, uh, things are always pounding against you, and you're having to solve um, many issues, and and it's quite dark and frightening when you're going well, into. Well, my early my rather grimmer interpretation is that those, and and again, I'm totally willing to be swayed or persuaded away from this, but I I I see those again as as the equivalent of sort of angel of death and i think that meeting those at that point in your life is is that chance that you don't get to live to a ripe old age um obviously in the game you do because you can't die but uh people people die people not everyone gets old i i kind of agree with leon it's kind of for me it felt like the representation of those worries that you have when you get older um, I'm 20, so why am I having these worries? Uh, but um, but you know what I mean. Like when you're a teenager, you kind of feel invincible. Yeah. But as you get older, you start worrying all oh, Alzheimer's, all oh, AIDS, all oh, cancer, spontaneous you know, combustion. They kind of, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just like these representations of these things that you start to take more seriously. Absolutely. As you get older, and in that early, when that you know when you first meet those creatures, they're actually fairly easy to avoid. Um, maybe the first time people accidentally bumped into them, but they kind of have a very simple pattern, and you can just you completely can circumnavigate them, them completely. Yeah. Um, mm. But when you get to the later stage, uh, stage where you have to hide behind cover, it's much more of a struggle. Um, and that sequence specifically, when the wind is blowing and the snow, and there are rubble that you have to hide amongst, is particularly effective when you have a friend mm. with you. Because um, I was hiding in some cover because I knew one of those things was going to fly by. And I know other people had a similar experience to me, where their like a friend would just carry on walking as if no. like nothing was going to happen, <laughs> and you're hiding in cover, like tweet, you're tweet, chirping tweet, 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 tweet. away, like tweet. Oh no, you've got to hide. You've got to hide. And then of of course, one of those rock creatures sees them and then they get flinged backwards and it was really terrifying yeah I wondered if anyone's experimented with trying to die in this game and what's the worst case scenario like I kind of like the idea that they would have put the opportunity to not have a full life as you do in the game Um, but I doubt they would have done it it would have been complicated and difficult narratively and it might have been perceived to have been saying inappropriate things I don't know but um, what is the worst that can happen when you get repeatedly buffeted by a monster early in your life does anyone know uh, um, yeah because uh, I think when I first I no, why did I say I think I did when I first played it um, I got caught in a bit of a like a cycle of constantly getting hit Oof. by one of those monsters um, it reminded me of a similar situation in Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> oh God! When you constantly get hit yep. by that uh, miniature yeah, one. I hate that. But uh, uh, yeah, nothing happens though. You don't die. You just lose the, the scarf, scarf entirely, and you can't jump anymore until you find another one of those shiny things. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it is annoying that you can't jump anymore. You do value that ability to jump higher and higher as you go forward. So. I did feel like I had lost something quite important. 
what do you feel about the? I mean, the the level before that, you, you I'm, I should call it the tower level because I don't know what else to to say it is. But I mean, ultimately, it's a, a a circular room that goes up in a very high point. I mean, I, I had trouble kind of deconstructing that one in my mind. I, I felt like maybe it was your entire adulthood at that point because there's lots of puzzles and you've learned all the abilities to to know what you're doing in life. So like they they seem complex, but you've you've now got a big enough scarf and you've got a kind of a big enough pool of um, knowledge that you can overcome a lot of these things and there's a helping hand by uh, some creatures in there isn't there so like it, it just it, it seems like an odd level that it's just you know move move up through that and kind of just that's your main stay of life you kind of main I, I, I kind of interpreted it as like the a point in your life where everything's kind of stable mm. like um, it's not necessarily that you're on a high or a low but you're progressing and you're at a point where you're contributing to the world around you um like cuz in that in that level it felt very much like you were helping other people uh, the other creatures and um you know improving the environment around you being constructive but not necessarily in like this awe inspiring like just nice magical and steady way. there you go that's like, nice just and nice steady, and yeah. steady that's all Leon Mir wants well I, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna take a page out of Leon's book here and I, I kind of looked at it a little more dark in, in a way like I, I saw that scene or that stage is a little more tedious and kind of that this is kind of at the stage where I'm at now in my life where my job I'm doing the same thing every day like my regular life is the same thing all the time so it just and on that level you're just going up a level or looking up a mural and then going up Do another level thing. looking at a mural yeah. looking until you get to the top and that's it you mm. know? so that's kind of how I took that it's, it's up because you, you get to that the end of that level and you're introduced I mean there's this been this like story I would say story bit between but you know these symbols and stuff that kind of been progressing between each section of the level and you, you meet what almost seems like God uh, it's it's hard because I don't want to get necessarily religious around, around this game, but the, there's this higher being. You've been sort of guided through by some kind of, or is it more than one in fact? Because you see six uh, of these seemingly sort of maternal or spiritual figures. I think, again, I think they're what you want them to be. I don't think, I think you can see them as God if you're that way inclined. But if you're not, I think you can see them as something else. As I'm not really religious, I mean, I, I saw it more because they show you the things you've done in your past via murals, um, and they also show you what lays ahead in the future. Um, and it, to me, it was almost like yeah, this it was just an old wise sage of a man that um, or person that they look kind female of to me. Isn't that weird? I, uh, I assume they're yeah. feminine, but I think every every uh, every individual in the game is kind of uh, androgynous, aren't they? So. I'll go with person then, so we we don't <laughs> segregate. Um, but it, it's almost it's it's like they're they're saying, well, you know, I've I've seen, I've done everything that you've kind of done in your past, and here's some wise words. This is where you're probably going to end up in your future. Like I've been there, you know. This I'm coming towards the end of my life. Or you could see it as a spiritual thing of, you know, one day you'll transcend this world to heaven, and here's the the mural to to show you. But it's an it's an odd scene. It's quite a powerful scene. <laughs> I was wondering at one point about probably about halfway through this time I noticed because um, <clears throat> when when you do uh, when you do finally uh, crawl to your physical doom as I saw it and then you after a, a, a seem, uh, quite a long period you are then awoken to find that you have full movement again but that you are in some other place some 
heaven, nirvana, Shangri-La, whatever. Uh, you eventually, once you've climbed to the top of that section, which is a joyous rush again, in a similar way to the the later stages of Flower, um, you seeming this game seems to say that uh, reincarnation is a thing because you get reborn. But I was wondering, I noticed a like a shooting star in one of my games, which is uh, the same sort of sparkly trail of dots that you leave yourself at the end of the game but when you get sent all the way back around but is that actually is that like the equivalent of the bell being rung, rung in Dark Souls is that actually somebody online who's just completed the game and you're seeing them being reborn I, th- I think it kind of is scripted where, where did it happen for you do you remember uh, you in the desert that? somewhere yeah I just, I, and I, the same part happened to me yesterday oh okay, okay. I like the idea that it was yeah it was actually uh, sort of clocking when somebody finished it and then sent one over at that point but <laughs> but I mean talk, talking about that I mean the, the, the scene where we were talking about where you're going up the mountain um, I mean that's interesting because ultimately they strip away all your abilities the, the idea isn't it they, they mm. take away your ability to jump and ultimately take you away yeah. your ability to even move you, uh, you're going yeah. up the side of this, you lose your physical this, confidence this your, you, like your, you your sorry yeah, exactly. You, use your, you lose your physical confidence, your 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 mental confidence, and even the power of speech eventually deserts mm. you. It's horrible. It's really upsetting. Yeah, because you you collapse as well, don't you? Just collapse into the snow, and it's it's not a. I, mean, it, I suppose it's beautiful in some respects, but it's not it's not particularly elegant. You just kind of collapse. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, like, that's it. I can't. Is that is that the end of the game? And, and of course, yeah. No, I was going to say, did anyone else feel like the game? Because when I first played it, I thought that's the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a long enough pause yeah. before like um, you ascend to heaven that I thought, okay, any minute now the credits are going to start rolling. Yeah, for me, um, a pretty depressive note. Yeah, really. <laughs> for yeah, for me, that is that is a physical death, and and I suppose depending on your beliefs, if you know, if you don't believe in any sort of afterlife or reincarnation you could do that thing of saying well the game ends there for me that's it um this bit's just a nice comforting thought that people you know fool themselves with to to make their passage through life easier well hey now my spiritual uh, part has left my my <laughs> useless physical form and is rushing towards the light rushing towards heaven and, and the second death the, the spiritual death is the one where you go through that in the end you you go higher and higher up all these waterfalls and and uh jellyfish carpet monsters and it's all the music's absolutely stunning and then you go through a little crack into the light into the white light which you know is famously what people talk about when they have near-death experiences sometimes they see it as jesus or god or saint peter or sometimes they see it as depending on what they believe in or what beliefs leap into their mind at that particular traumatic point um for me i you know i don't believe in an afterlife i don't believe in reincarnation so kind of to me the game i would have rather the game ended with the with the death with the physical death but uh but then it's you know it is quite it's a nice it's a nice thing it's a pleasant ride after that I'm coming from a similar um, perspective as you, as I'm not particularly religious either. But I, I just from a narrative standpoint, uh, let's let's forget the whole metaphorical side of it for a second. Just from the story aspect of my character, 
um, in that game, I felt like if they had ended on that note, I maybe wouldn't have loved the game as much as I do. Mm. I felt like it needed to end on that high just to reinforce the positive memory I I have of that game. Well, it's it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, I, if anyone's seen No Country for Old Men, I mean that ends up on a pretty somber note at the very end of that. Now, you know, I I took a lot from that, and that film stays with me because of it ended in that way. Uh, yet, I think I kind of agree with you, Josh. Like the outcome, although you know, I think that's a very powerful ending. It leaves you on a metaphorical high, leaves you on a, a almost a physical high once you finish the game um, because you've had all these powers put back there and ultimately you've got infinite flight um, the colours are bright, I mean you've you've gone through some pretty torrid times towards the end of your life, so the fact that these colours are bright and you're going up waterfalls and you know the PS3 seems to be you know the most powerful console in the world at that point and you know it, it feels like it all just comes together in a, in a beautiful spectacle, yet I mean, I'm not averse to Leon's idea of saying, "Well, you know, that's that was life. That was your journey." Um, but I mean, ultimately, you you have that choice. Just press the guy button go back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you really want to feel that way. But uh, I think leaving leaving it on an end note and making people feel so euphoric after playing it, and that's what the you know the the buzz has been around is when people finish that game. You know, they want to jump onto forums, they want to jump onto Twitter, they want to go everywhere and just say, "Oh my God, I've had this experience." And I'm not too sure that would have been there if you just died at the very end. One thing mm. I really want to say because we've been talking about like what the game means uh, metaphorically, but I feel like I need to say, even if you stripped all that stuff away. Mm. I felt like I just had a powerful experience with the literal story that was presented to me, like just the journey of my character mm. through the, that world and the the trials he had to deal with. I, I I got emotionally invested just in that, just in the text that was presented yeah. to me. So I I don't feel like if anyone's like saying like I, I'm not that interested in all this subtext and all this stuff that people are reading into it. I don't think you need to to get an emotional experience out of it. I, all this stuff we're talking about is stuff I fought through like, after. you know, yeah. well after the game had finished. I had a strong emotional reaction to what was presented to me. But then then again, you know, I, I would hate for someone not to have played Journey before uh, and listening through this podcast all the way to the end. I think, mm. that, you know, one of the, the, the strengths of Kane and Rince is that we can... I mean, the reason we did not do this game, like, the day after it came out and everyone had this amazing reaction is because we wanted that space same reason we don't do any game the day after yeah, yeah. There, there needs to be that space where we can look at maybe the context and give people maybe a deeper look of what the actual game is but I agree with you the first time when I played it through like I, I noticed what this game was about someone's journey I didn't go that I didn't dig as deep as I did the second time around to find, to find what it actually meant to me in a physical form um, so I mean Sean you you were very vocal about saying this is one of the greatest games of this yeah, decade. Yeah, this so, is what I, I wanted mean, to say. Like, here we are now, a couple of months on or, or whatever, and does it still rank up there for you? Is that, Yeah, is that it's you're still, like I played it again yesterday and it still uh, <clears throat> hits me just as hard. Um, it's kind of hard for me coming last year because you, you guys have touched on pretty much everything that I was going to say. Um I think the reason it resonates with me so much is that I've, uh, I'm almost 30 now, and I've lived in a couple different parts of the U.S. now, and I've, I've been around a lot, and 
I feel like I've the, the journey itself kind of resonates with how I've lived my life so far. Like I've gone through different ups and downs, like some really highs and some really really lows, and I've met a lot of people. And with the the multiplayer for me, I think adds a lot to that too, because you're saying like you know you can <clears throat> go through most of it yourself or most of it with someone. Or you can mm. just go around and you'll just see people around and they'll either come with you, like your friends, or they'll just go their own way, like you just met them once and you'll never see that person again. Mm. And the, all that all that stuff just kind of hit back for me right now. And, it, and yeah, I don't know, it just it really hit me hard. I yeah. must say, actually playing through single, just, I guess, single player, it was actually a very solitary experience after playing through it with somebody else. There, there was certainly seen, I, I wouldn't have wanted to go through it that way. Um, first time round. I think that's the the joy of Journey is that you can read it on a number of levels. As Josh says, there's the text and there's a subtext, and there's a way of viewing it as a solo game, and there's a way of viewing it as and there's, yeah, there's just there's just all kinds of different things. And but having said that, it's not like you don't get the feeling that it's just you know it's a blank canvas to be just you know interpreted however you want there's definitely ideas there and ideologies um and the same with flower and and, you know sean says that for whatever reasons um to do you know timing as much as anything uh journey has said something in particular to him at this particular point in his life just as flower did to me three years ago um and uh yeah and i guess you know when people talk about important games then i i guess that's why these are that because I'm not saying you know, it's not like these are the only kinds of games that can do that. Certainly, you know, there's I have incredibly powerful responses to other games that people might consider, you know, less serious. Like Mickey Mickey Mouse Castle of Illusion on the Mega Drive. That game mm-hmm. makes me feel like a little kid. It makes me really happy. Um, that is a valid emotional response, and yeah, just just as important to me. But um, but these games, you know, just they do. They do marry everything that's good about the medium of video games, which is why video games are potentially the most exciting and powerful and creative medium is because they do marry everything, storytelling and music and graphics and art and all the other stuff and interactivity. And when you get everything done to everything to such a high level and you've got a text and a subtext behind them and you know something to say it's really it's kind of hard to to think of anything man-made that's actually better than these video games it it's hard because i I feel like i've had similar experiences with pretty much every single medium I, i think the important thing to say is that um there, there's certain things in your life, certain films, certain pieces of music, which transcends the medium that they're on. Um, you know, I, I can listen to certain pieces of music, and they bring, you know, thoughts of times and places where I've listened to them. You know, situations with me and Liz first being out, you know, and going out, and it's you know, they're powerful. And I, I feel like you know, Journey, although it's interactive, of course, you know, adds it another lending. Like I've, I've had similar times with films, which have said to me. You know, at times of my life, they kind of summed everything up, and I'm sure. thinking. But you know, they to me are some of the greatest films ever made, and they don't necessarily have to be the the greatest pieces of a film made in everybody's opinion. But if something can transcend the medium and so on, I think that that is the key. And I think to see so many people have that experience with that game companies, um, certainly with with both Flower and Flow, 
um, says something pretty incredible about their talents and a direction they're looking to take um, the medium, which is, you know, like like you said, Leon. You know, I've um, I've played Gears of War, and like to me, actually, that's a really important game because I've had so many hours of great fun and entertainment with friends on that game. Mm. So that has a whole different meaning to me. But it, you know, maybe Flower and Flow have a, a more singular, you know, meaning to me as a person rather than you know as a group entertainment. Um, before we uh, round up and then do the three-word reviews, I'd like to bring in uh, an email this week, not from the forum, but an actual email, because uh, Rob Shields took the time to write into us, and so it's like it's like receiving a letter. It is, it is. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a special thing, and so because it was too difficult and complicated to put up a thread on the forum for three different games, when there was already a journey thread, and I didn't really know how to do it, so I just thought we'll just have this email because we have an email. So, thanks, Rob, for emailing in. He says. I played and completed Journey in one evening with a friend of mine as we passed the controller back and forth at regular intervals. That's interesting. That's a, yet an, another way to play. I mean, considered uh, couch co-op Journey, but there you go. Um, usually after completing a section. <clears throat> we found the elusive and ambiguous story nothing but intriguing and enjoyed trying to make sense of the game's devices, such as the tiny pictogram symbols that emanate from each journeyman's voice, trying to link them to the architecture of the sand-ridden ruins, amongst other things. Between us, we found the gentle transitions from each world just mesmerising. Watching the colour palette change from deep orange to pink during those snow sandboarding sequences was nothing short of eye-gasmic. I really enjoyed sections of the game when it was unsure as to whether we were floating around in the air or deeply submerged in water, as it's almost impossible to be sure. This added to the already abstract, mystical and, dare I say it, psychedelic quality the game has. My friend and I were initially sceptical of trying out the multiplayer, fearing that it may detract from this very solitary, isolated experience we were enjoying. I wonder if he sees the irony in that sentence. Uh, But as soon as we turned it on after about an hour, we instantly dispelled the notion of it being a gimmick. Each journeyman we encountered, I like that name, uh, ended up giving a different experience, each with a different personality. Uh, as Josh said one journeyman with a deeply detailed skirt and extra long scarf helped us collect one of the bonus orbs I assume he means the glyphs um, in one section by getting us to play follow the leader whilst another felt obliged to tag along through every step of the unsettling mechanical snake section and instantly we grew affection and empathy for this let's face it just a random person on the PlayStation network it most definitely makes a refreshing change from being called Jew Faggot Queer on Call of Duty multiplayer after completing the final snow section and the beautiful victory lap end sequence, <laughs> like that way of seeing, maybe that's what ascending to heaven is. It's a victory lap of life. <laughs> Marvellous. Uh, end sequence alone. We decided to play it through again. We chose a warp altar at random and disappointingly ended up back at the snow section. This time around, however, was played completely with a loyal companion. We kept consistently close together, trying to keep us war- keep warm as we attempted to traverse this deeply bleak and hostile environment. We even both repeatedly tapped the communicate button as if that would help our efforts fighting off the cold in some way. Inevitably, we realised there was no escaping our eventual demise as we witnessed each other collapse together in the cold, our voices getting quieter and quieter. Here we have two very similar outcomes, yet the difference in emotions that it delivered were entirely different. To me, this is the beauty of Journey, and that each playthrough will be a different experience for each person, even at different points in the game. The contrast of emotions is astounding, considering how short and simple the game is. Bring melancholy, isolation, unsettlement, empathy, intrigue, upset, joy and bliss in such a short space of time. Uh, very well said 
I say, Mr. Shields. You summed up yeah. what we've just done in 40 minutes. In, in <laughs> well, yes, in isn't it the way? We could have sat down and written a letter, but it wouldn't be as much fun. So, yes, as if people hadn't kind of worked it out already, uh, let's just do a very quick summation, each of us, uh, and whether we would recommend each of the three games discussed in this programme. Let's start with Josh Garrity. Flow, I think, is an interesting game. I think it's visually really good and the audio is really nice. But for me, the gameplay felt lacking. It wasn't particularly interesting. Um, There is a part of me that's willing to say that if you're the kind of person who wants to put on a game that's kind of relaxing and chill out like that this might be a game for you but for me i i like narrative or at least i i like something that has a sense of progression and i didn't feel apart from building up your little squiggly wormy thing i didn't feel like i was really accomplishing anything and ultimately i just came out of it not hating it not disliking it but kind of feeling nothing towards it um flower is a game that i think is very good i wouldn't uh count it amongst my favorite games this generation like some people would but i certainly think it's a very strong game and certainly one of the best games on the uh, ps3 uh it's it has that narrative aspect that uh flow was lacking and it's quite frankly beautiful um journey um is the best of the bunch for me i think this game is a must play um if you have a ps3 you what you doing go and download it now okay um this game is fantastic um on all fronts just visually it's beautiful the the soundtrack is especially towards the end of that game is one of the best soundtracks of any game I've uh, listened to um, the story in of itself it, take away all the subtext the story is great but there's that subtext if you want to delve into it um, yeah I love Journey I, I think everyone should play it Sean uh, well Flow um, I, I think might be best looked at if you're interested in seeing how the trajectory of that game company's progress over time uh, I, I didn't really connect with it very well in the same kind of way that Josh did. That I, I need a little bit more of a some kind of story to drive on, but it's very pretty and sounds very nice. And, and it's just, if you can get it on a deal, that's probably the best way to get it. Um, Flower is hard to recommend more to people, I think, to me. Um, if you're the person who thinks you might be into all the kind of stuff that we talked about earlier, then you should definitely try it out. Um, you can get different emotions out of it than I think any other game besides Journey would give you. And so if that's something you're into, you should definitely check it out. And Journey, uh, for me, I, I've said this before, and I, I think I still stand by it. I, for me, Journey is a perfect game. I think I know that's not a nice or a good word to say about anything, but for me, it ended up being perfect. It's, it's beautiful, it sounds amazing, and you can put yourself into it in any kind of situation. And I, I think it's... I, I highly recommend it. It's, I don't know if it's if I'd say it's the best game of this generation. It's probably my favorite, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that could be totally different for someone else. Yeah, I played it with my girlfriend last night, and she actually didn't like it. 
Um, oh man, and you're yeah, still together yeah. today. Well done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, strange. I mean, gate crash. Your second one. I've heard a number of people say, you know, because this was class that like everybody should play, it, and a number of people give it to their you know their other mm. halves because they feel like it's something they could get into. And as I said before, I, I think Flower itself is a is a game I think you could give to anybody and they, they'll get it and and be able to complete it. I think Journey does have segments which are pretty tough on the player I mean not as somebody who's played games for all, their, all their life but that, that 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 tower section on occasions you know there is some jumps which can be demanding if you don't know what you're doing um, and I've heard a few people get on pretty stuck at that point so I don't think it's a perfect game to give to anybody uh, but to watch yeah I'm surprised she didn't feel anything for it but hey yeah, well. yeah I, I must admit when I first played through Flower three years ago and had a strong such a strong response to it my immediate thought was oh I'd like to show this to Tanya but I never have because I guess my fear is that she won't get anything out of it I think she would but I'd be upset if she didn't so I'd just avoid it Tony the three games please probably really just to echo both what these guys have said I think um, Flow is interesting if you want to see the trajectory of that game company as a as a studio um, but uh, yeah, I, I found it on occasions boring um, but intriguing uh, I don't know if you can have the same thing. <laughs> that sentence is kind of weird, but you know, that's no, I think you kind can. of what happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I love Flower. I, I think it says something to me because I, I work within uh, flowers, you know, um, nature. <laughs> yeah, I work within flowers, and you know, I understand how nature and uh, chaos and urban Tony chaos is a bee. Not many people knew together. that. I am. Yeah. Um, um, and I didn't think it could be. Well, I, don't know, I didn't think it could be better as it as a game. I think I think it was a, an emotional experience I had with that game, but I was really blown away by Journey. Um, I think you know if you you look at the trajectory of him um, of that game company, you know could you could they get any more intriguing than Flower? Well, they did with Journey, and I think the the thing that how they managed to make that happen is that they you know, they've gone from just a, a single cell, almost like a single cell organism, into a fully formed uh, human well humanish characters. Um, which actually has a, a story there that you can follow uh, and feel you know, have a reaction to and follow as in you know someone's journey life. Um, yeah, I, I, I think everybody should at least see it, experience it. Um, whether everyone could, I don't, I don't know. But I think journey is is perfect. Is a is a big word, but um, it's certainly spectacular. And I don't think you even need to kind of label it with perfect. I think it's a spectacular game. I think Flower is a spectacular game. So yeah, just uh, there needs to be a that game company collection, um, and you can yeah just play with flow a little bit. But yeah, great games. Yeah, I don't know uh, if anyone out there listening to this podcast will be people who have tried one or more of these games, not like them, and still tuned into this podcast. So I guess this is very much preaching to the choir. But hey, you never know. Maybe people are now interested. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's really hard to say. Uh, flow as the others said uh, I got it for two pounds it it was pleasant um, it's certainly not a pain to play but yes it goes on a bit long and there's nothing so there's no real hook to it as such um, flower and journey I think are both equally as good uh, I personally had a stronger initial response to flower but actually playing through them both today I think journey was slightly more affecting to me at this point in my life um, I would stand by this statement that I'm about to make that I think Flower and Journey are two of the greatest man-made things there are um, Flower helped 
me deal with life and journey has helped in some small way for me to prepare for death and you know that's that's quite something for a little 10 pound downloadable video game to do um yeah i would put these up there with any any building or piece of jewelry or piece of furniture or painting or you can shoot it into space film yeah absolutely i think these are extraordinary achievements um and they are video games definitely they are also experiences and they are pieces of art they're whatever you want them to be um and yeah i think labeling things as art it just causes people to have arguments that are needless uh, amongst these titles also one last thing and this sounds weird but i had a real sense of ico about or eco about um journey mm, yeah definitely yeah I, spe- I especially think the um the bit where you're where the wind is blowing you're sort of on a set of balconies and uh, you have to avoid being blown off although if you are blown down at a level you can just climb straight back up it's arguably a bit of a shortcut actually but uh yeah i i got that same feeling same way as i got a weird feeling of res about flower it's like you know strange little moments little sounds and things like that conjure these things well i i feel like um that game company have kind of filled the void in team ico's absence this generation mm. they've kind of taken on the role they did in the ps2 generation um i desperately hope last guardian comes out eventually <sighs> yeah. uh, but it's not looking good for that game at the mm. moment but we'll see if it ever does we might do a podcast on it you never know uh, and the future is uncertain for that game company, sort of. Not that they're going anywhere as such, but their three-game deal with Sony is ended. And perhaps more importantly, because that probably just means that they'll be multi-platform rather than PlayStation exclusive, which you would think can only be a good thing. Um, more people get to play those games. But Kelly Santiago, one of the two founders, um, the artist, uh, well, designer and producer, uh, of all three games we've talked about has moved on and uh, as of the start of March start of April this year she is now going off to do something else now obviously fans of Flower and Journey should be watching what she does as well as watching what Genova Chen and the rest of that game company do next but obviously without entering into the thing Kane and Rince tries to avoid which is wild speculation corner uh, what are your feelings about this um, is, th- is there the chance that maybe it was this beautiful marriage of minds between uh, Chen and Santiago that will n- neither of them will ever you know it's like that thing where uh, you have a great band but then when you when they all split off and do their solo projects they're never as good ev- ever again I'm slightly concerned it, it could be I, I, I remember when uh, she left she made a statement, and uh, she said something about how she was. She felt like she was only supporting one person's vision rather than uh, feeling like she was a real uh, part of the team. Mm. So I kind of feel like these came more from uh, Genova Chen's mind. Okay. So I, I'm not too worried about that game company, but y- y- you know, anything can happen for sure. Um, I I, I see it as. Um, I I'm not saying it's a positive thing, but I I have a, a bit more faith in the team because it's like everyone likes to uh, give credit to what they feel are the uh, you know the leaders of certain groups like Genova Chen or um, you know uh, Kojima for Kojima Productions and stuff Mm. like that but really those games wouldn't be as great as they are if they didn't have a great team behind them so I mean Genova Chen still has the 
that game company team behind them so I'm pretty confident that that game company will still make great games I don't know if they'll ever make a game as great as Journey or Flower but I'm pretty confident they'll still make quality products um, I, I'm not so sure about Kelly um, I hope she lands on her feet but we'll see <laughs> well it's I mean it seems a perfect marriage between and I think the difference between someone like Kojima is that, that those teams are huge the team size for Flower and, and Journey are, are relatively tiny aren't they in comparison to something like Kojima Productions I think you know the, the, both of them were probably visionaries for these product uh, for these products if you want to label them like that I guess um, pieces of art products pieces somewhere of, between yeah, the two um, that's terrible um <laughs> So I I think yeah there there will be an impact but then again like Sean said I think there's a chance for them to to have bigger influence on the wider form of games um, and that can only be a good thing like all this stuff we hope that, that it inspires people to try different stuff within the industry if the you know Journey's definitely been successful I, mean, I believe it they were talking that it's the fastest selling PlayStation Network uh, game uh, the soundtrack itself went into the iTunes charts at like number twenty yeah. Um, which you know for a video game soundtrack is is pretty ridiculous. Um, so I, I think the uh, I think there's a future obviously for both both of them within the industry. But uh, I think that game company clearly are going to have the finances to do whatever they want to do. So yeah, that's always helps. Just hope they continue. You know, their, their relationship with Sony seemed to bear a lot of fruit, and you know, hopefully that that, yeah. that changing won't mean that they you know, dilute themselves to spread themselves thinner or anything like that. If that's not a mixed metaphor three word reviews then uh, let's go round in alphabetical order if the rest of the team can work that out amongst themselves <laughs> <laughs> I'm last <laughs> no <laughs> I'm second yeah I'm second yeah no <laughs> no you're first <laughs> no I'm not I'm first oh what am I uh, I'm not alive this morning um right so Giles Tom- uh, Thomas says, last Sony exclusives. Cappy Sun. Uh, we did actually set the challenge of one word per game, but some people couldn't or didn't do that. But uh, we've, we'll have we'll read them out anyway. Uh, Cappy Sun, chilled out gaming. Strident, arty farty trilogy. <laughs> Dastardly jabby. Experiences, not games. Coruscite says, bish, bash, bosh. I have no idea if he's even played the games. I think he just wanted to submit that as a three-word review. But uh, Mormon Rage, who understood the concept, inscrutable, idyllic, incomparable. Gene says boring, wondrous, unplayed. What are you doing? Um, play yeah, it. We let him get away with that unplayed because he had had played the other two. But uh, Jesus, play it, man! Come on. Uh, Count Stex says succulent, buoyant. Divine. Um, Eric Lansing. Uh, Eric from Lansing says, "Question mark um, that ellipsis ellipse and um, ellipsis <laughs> exclamation exclamation Why have point." I've forgotten that. My brain is dead this morning. <laughs> this morning, <laughs> this evening. Oh, just it's too late. You're, you're still Sorry. meant to be down on that slope, having the time of your life. <laughs> yeah, no, my brain cells are dying. It's because we're recording late to accommodate our uh, transatlantic chum. It's okay. Sorry, Josh. Uh, yes, so it's Eric right. from Lansing did. No, it's fine. Eric from Lansing did say, question mark, 
dot 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 or ellipsis and exclamation mark or exclamation point for our American <laughs> listeners. <laughs> you can, of course, play along with Cane and Rinse. And uh, we like it very much when you do. And feedback. Uh, future featured games will include Bullet Storm next time, Vessel and Dear Esther, the show after. Then we have uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty. A month after that, Metal Gear Solid 3 Solid Snake. A month after that, I'm going to say it, Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots. Uh, but Tony and I need to get together and thrash out the next bunch of shows soon. It seems like only a couple of months ago we yeah. lasted that, because it is. So uh, I know we did have a request. I did have a request from somebody on Twitter saying, can you tell us further in advance what games we're going to be covering so that you can play along? Um, I am bearing that in mind, but please uh, understand it's quite difficult to do because we have to make sure that everyone's played them and that people are ready to commit to being free to record on that night and so on and so forth so uh, if there was a way to do it well I think I think the team pretty much is is understanding this now so at the very least we can probably put a rough schedule of, of recordings yeah. up on the website for people to kind of peruse yeah. if they want to see at least play along because it is fun yeah. playing along and, and we enjoy people um, playing the games at the same so. time we're playing having, you know, certainly on Twitter and our own personal feeds certainly we'll tr- you and I will try and thrash out the next two or three months worth of shows soon and then uh, and then we'll be able to dish those out and people can get playing I'm me too I love it what, gonna be, what classics am I going to be playing big old spreadsheet <laughs> Yes. Anyway, uh, your support for this show via iTunes subscriptions, ratings and reviews are always greatly appreciated. Our blog, of course, is at canerince.com, as well as the podcast on there. You'll find articles, reviews and videos. Cane and Rinse is part of the Carrot Select Network. Come and join the discussion at carrotselect.net forward slash forum. You can follow us on Twitter at Cane and Rinse. Like us on Facebook. The people really need to know how to like us on Facebook. Yeah, that's true yeah uh, and you can email us uh, as uh, Rob Shields did and also uh, this is at canerince at gmail.com and we also wanted to thank well overdue about five months overdue thanks to Dom Vuk- Tom Vukovic for his kind email and also to Chris Jellyman for his recent fan mail uh, there's nothing else to call it um, and yeah well done to brings the a team. smile to your face when you read it Absolutely, yes, wonderful stuff. So it's probably been a slightly long one again, but we did cover three games, and they're games that, hey, they're they're important. They're worth talking about. So you know, what you're going to do, just remains. Well, I was about to say what next week, <laughs> <Huh>? Bullet Storm. <laughs> yeah, so great. Yeah, Bullet Storm. Well, you know, there there may be more argument uh, arguments next week. We shall see. Uh, just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins, Sean O'Brien, and Joshua Garrity. And here is some beautiful music.